Ferguson for an hour and a half. <laughs> I, I don't think our adoring fans would like that. Or maybe they would. I don't know. Oh, that's cute. You think we have fans. Yeah, that is. Mm. Other than Clint. That's sad but true. Oh, all right, now I'm ready you are. All right. Um, well, where do you want to start? When Once we get started, do you want to start? Uh, I, I will defer to you. Do you want to start domestic or do you want to start European? <sighs> Which was the most disappointing for me this week? Uh, let's, uh, let's start shit. Let's start, uh, domestic. Okay. And then I can at least end on a semi-positive note. That, that is true. That is true. Still not that positive, but okay. It's a result. (laughs) It means we control our own destiny. That is, that is true. It's, you set up a win or, win a, a win or go home match. Well, yeah, I mean, it's win or go home for us because all they got to do is pull a draw. So. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what we'll get to on episode 30 of the All New Sports of the Podcast. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's Edward Green, joined as always by Wes Bradshaw and producer Desmond McManus. And uh, despite despite Wes's sadness, we do have a fantastic episode for you today. Uh, the Barclays Premier League is back in our lives, and it could not come at a better time with everything else going on in the world right now uh, as a nice and welcome distraction. Of course, we'll also hit the other competition on the continents, the Champions League and the Europa League. Uh, we will do a little ranking of hot seats. One might have got a little more warm today. One might have gotten a little cooler today. Uh, and we'll also talk about an, a USMNT man possibly on the move in about a month. We'll also, of course, talk some baseball deals, college football Ragnarok that is upon us this weekend. Uh, hit the zeitgeist and tell you what we're watching. And, of course, get so raw. But, Wes, there, there's many things we like to do before we start an episode. What, what is that? And we got to put ourselves over somehow. Oh, of course. Well, I'm going to do it by telling that you can find us on Twitter at All New Sports Show and individually at West Bradshaw 21 and at Edward Green. Also find us on Facebook.com slash All New Sports Show, Instagram.com slash All New Sports Show, YouTube.com slash The All New Sports Show for all our videos. And, of course, you can email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com, and send your letters and parcels, but not puppies, to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804, unless they are plush. Plush puppy. I'm sorry, but but you know what you did get? You did get a draw. You got a result, Wes. God. But we'll talk about the results you got today uh, on European nights, not at Anfield, a little bit later on in the program. But first, we head back to the Barclays Premier League, and what a weekend it turned out to be. Uh, Welcoming back after an international break. Your scores looked like this. Chelsea continues their undefeated season by beating West Brom 2-0. Everton with a big win over West Ham, 2-1. Leicester and Sunderland play to an exciting 0-0 draw. Man City gets a little swag back with a 2-1 win at home against Swansea. Newcastle keeps their winning ways going with a 1-0 win against QPR. Burnley with another win. I believe that's two wins on the trot for them. They defeat at Stoke City, 2-1. Arsenal in the uh, match of the weekend 
loses at home to Manchester United 2-1. And as we hit Sunday, it was, Wes, Crystal Palace 3, Liverpool 1. At least Rebecca Lowe is happy, though. Well, if anyone has to be, I mean, I'd take her, but no, I'm, I'm not, yeah, not that. Also on Sunday, it was Hull City 1 and gritty, plucky Tottenham Hotspur 2. And in Monday Night Football, it was a big draw as Southampton came back on the road against Aston Villa to level them at 1. So, Wes, let us start, as we like to do, with Crystal Palace 3, Liverpool 1. Ricky Lambert, in a move that will become deja vu when we talk about European competition later, scores early for Liverpool in the second minute, and it looked to be all good for the Reds from Anfield as they look to put the stumble at Crystal Palace from last year behind them. But Dwight Gale reminded them of last year in the 17th minute as he equalized, and Joe Ledley and Mil Jednak put them ahead for good in the 78th and 81st minutes, respectively. Wes, this was a match I think that Liverpool should have gotten all three points out of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, at this point I say that, but at this point I also have absolutely zero um, you know, trust in Liverpool to go out and do what they need to do True. right now. Um, we'll get to Europe in a little while, but uh, another... Another case of a wasted opportunity. You know, the, the thing that the thing that really kind of defined Liverpool last year was the fast start was, you know, I mean, we joke around, the men and Blazers joke around, oh, don't score too early. Well, last year Liverpool took that whole idea and turned it on its head. Mm-hmm. Liverpool would score early and they'd score often. And usually by halftime they were just, you know, all they had to do was just see how to match. Well, this year you get out there, it's not happening. We finally get a match. Hey, we score in the second minute. Everything, all right. This is kicking ass. All right. Uh, you know, Ricky Lambert's off the off the pine, got his got his first goal. Everything's gonna be good today. And then we go eighty eight minutes and don't score. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And it's 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 I think surprising, especially how it last year it went at Palace. Um, for it to go basically the same way, of course, in that match last year, Liverpool actually had a 3-0 lead late in that game, I believe with 15 minutes to go before Palace stormed all the way back. But this year, with a mostly similar Palace team, they come back and get another big win against them. And this was another match where, again, Liverpool dominate in possession, uh, dominate in shots on goal but couldn't put enough through. I'm sorry, uh, Palace actually dominated in shots on goal. But still, you'd expect, especially after that hot start, for Liverpool to see this match through. Oh, man. It just, there's just, there's so many problems right now. Um, Just nothing that Brendan Rodgers is trying is working. Uh, You know, you finally get the goal from Lambert, and you're thinking, well, maybe it can click today. And then the defense just does what the defense does, which is uh, which is pretty much just suck. Uh, Minule can't stop anything, and it, oh man, playing. Uh, were you surprised that uh, Moreno did not get a start? Yeah, I mean, I I literally think we have two. I mean, we we've got two guys that I'm comfortable playing in the back on the wings, and that's Moreno and Manquia. And neither one of them, you know, those two are talented, but they're nowhere near where they need to be yet. Right. Um, I, I really think those two are maybe a year or two away from really. I mean, I really think Liverpool have the makings of a dominant defense. 
But, <laughs> you know, uh, what good does two or three years down the road do when you're, you know, suppose, when you see yourself as one of the biggest clubs in Europe and you're supposed to be threatening for uh, Champions League? You know, what good does development a year or two do for you? Uh, I really, I like those two a lot. Mankia, oh, Mankia had a horrible, horrible miss of what should have been a goal for him. But, you know, just defensively, both of them have a lot still to learn, but they're very talented. Um, The other ones, I'm just, I'm not even saying their names. The other ones, not (laughs) so much. We've so, talked. Yeah, we've I, talked I'm about all, Glenn Johnson on the program. I, I'm all for. I'm all for just playing Moreno and Mankio all the time. Um, are, are you surprised? I mean, we've we've talked about this year bleeding in these guys, getting them reps, getting them all playing together, and and now Glenn Johnson is still getting starts. Uh, Lovren still doesn't look solid. I, I think that's what's most surprising to me is I feel like you want to get your best core back there playing together and getting game experience together or else the, all that development time planning for two, three years down the line. Well, if you're going to take your lumps, why not take it with the back line you want to be playing later? Well, of course I understand, you know, he's doing some rotation uh, with the, the match of course in Bulgaria today, but I don't know. I just, I, I literally, uh, I mean, if, if I saw Glenn Johnson on the street and was like, hey, man, can you just hold this item for me for like a minute while I stand here and not drop it? He would drop it. <laughs> I mean, you know, here, hold my car keys. Uh, I mean, my bad, my, I dropped them. Oh, poor Glenn I mean, Johnson. He, he stinks. He stinks. The faster we can get rid of him, the better. Um, you know, Liverpool's cover on the wings this year was supposed to be John Flanagan, young John Flanagan, of course. And he literally has not played a minute this year. He's he's been out injured since the summer. Um, still no real timetable on his comeback. Uh, and that's that's just one problem with Liverpool floundering. The other, <clears throat> Lovren, for whatever reason, is just he is so off the pace right now. It's it's crazy, man. Because you know this is a guy who last year was rated. You know, the number said he was, I believe, the number one or number two central defender in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. He was very good at Southampton last year. Oh, he was great. I mean, he was, you know, he was the fulcrum for that back. <clears throat> and, you know, he came in to all these accolades. You know, he can be the future captain of Liverpool, all this, all that. And, you know, I think as a Liverpool fan, I personally learned with Jordan Henderson, <clears throat> don't bury a guy just because he does not come in and hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the first two seasons, I think everybody in the world wanted just to do nothing but get rid of Jordan Henderson, and now he's an you know an integral part of the team. And you know you couldn't think of Liverpool really playing well without Jordan Henderson. But right now, Lovren is just struggling so bad. But the problem is, you don't have a you don't have any choices. Sako yeah. has been injured. I mean, do you really trust Colo Torre? I was just about to ask that. Uh, don't. <laughs> um, so, you know, right now it's kind of a, uh, I mean, it's kind of a you've got to go with what you've got kind of thing. Um, and with that said, like you say, you know, Lovren, he's getting minutes, you know, he's getting time back there. It's just for whatever reason, it is just not clicking for him. So I just hope maybe, you know, here during the Christmas season, 
you know, we all pray for Christmas miracles. <laughs> and uh, and may, maybe we can get one and, you know, Lovren will just snap out of whatever whatever the hell it is that's happened to him since he's come to Liverpool. And maybe he can also get a uh, Balotelli goal thrown in there for good measure. Or I'm just, just a Balotelli. <laughs> Well, it was a, otherwise, it's a big win for Palace, who found themselves in the relegation zone, but they pick up a big three points to hop back up the table a little bit. Elsewhere, over at the KC Stadium, it was Hull City 1, Tottenham Hotspur 2, or I believe it was Old Tottenham 1, New Tottenham 2. Uh, Jake Livermore with a goal in the eighth minute against a suspect Spurs defense. But uh, once again, another gritty road victory spurred on by one of their own Harry Kane in the 61st minute and then Christian Eriksen with a wonder strike in the box puts Spurs ahead and nets Maurizio Pochettino's team all three points at the KC Wes oh it's it's a roller coaster ride I am in a glass case of emotion half the time with Spurs now again Tottenham managed 23 shots six on goal of course a lot of those coming after Gaston Ramirez was carted off with a straight red in the 50th minute after savagely and viciously attacking one of my personal favorite players Jan Vertonghen in his calf just how dare he I, I think he should be suspended for 15 games after that well, you know, absolutely audacious. You say so. I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to defer to you there. Uh, I've always felt that you are a great uh, executioner of justice. <laughs> I'm, so I'm just going to give you that one. Okay, I'm just say okay, Ed, whatever works for you. Oh, uh, it was, it was a bit of a weak call, but uh, there is the, it was a flagrant foul. Uh, there was a bit of a tussle on the ground, and uh, as Vertonghen was getting up, Ramirez did just kick him in the back of the calves. Uh, some people felt it warranted only a yellow, but in my mind, a red is actually fair there when you go to the letter of the law. Uh, Roberto Soldado also had another big miss in the game. Uh, fortunately, it did not matter, but another uh, problem for Roberto Soldado, who has yet, I believe, to get actually on the board in the Premier League this year. Uh, and again, Harry Kane comes on and magic happens for this club. I can't explain it anymore. They are basically Hugo Lloris and then find a goal. That's all Spurs are right now. Well, wasn't that what Spurs used to be, but it was just uh, get it to Gareth Bale and pray? Man, if, if Harry Kane turns into Gareth Bale, I will, I will be pretty happy with that, actually. Well, I don't think Harry Kane's going to turn into Gareth Bale by any chance. Maybe Christian Bale. But, um, <laughs> no, nah, but I will say one thing. You know, Harry Kane, I don't think he can just take over a game. And, I mean, that is the thing. You know, Harry Kane, he's not like this dominant, um, you know, Superman kind of like Gareth Bale was, but man, the kid knows how to score goals. I yes. mean, he's got the, he's just one of those, you know, I mean, it's almost like he, he's a poacher, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's not really anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, certainly. And that's what he did on the goal against Hull. Uh, Christian Eriksen with another great free kick bounced right off the post, but Harry Kane was in perfect position to put it in. And also we, t- we talk about Harry Kane, but it's great to see Eriksen 
who had been struggling pretty hard for a lot of this campaign. And uh, after having such a breakout <laughs> year at Spurs last year, both in the Europa League and domestically. So for him to get back on track with a great shot off the post and then the winning goal was very good to see there. Uh, obviously, still a lot to make on that defense right now. Eric Dyer has regressed a little bit, but I've liked what I've seen from Federico Fazio. Ben Davies, he's fine. He's not great, but he's fine. I, I think he's better than Danny Rose. So hopefully... We'll keep playing him. All right, Wes, let's move on to uh, Arsenal 1, Man United 2 in the game where I really don't know who to pull for or maybe uh, just pull against. Well, it's kind of like when, um, you know, if you're a North Carolina fan, it's kind of like when Duke and NC State play. You know, you just pray for the floor to open up and swallow them all. And unfortunately, that did not happen in this and match. And take the fan bases with them, but... Absolutely. Uh, over at the Emirates, Kieran Gibbs with an own goal in the 56th minute, drew Arsenal down one goal, and then Wayne Rooney finally making his dramatic entrance <laughs> in this Premier League season, scores in the 85th minute to put it out of reach, even after Olivier Giroud, who came back about a month early with another goal in the 95th minute, uh, but Arsenal could not get back in this match. And I don't know who this says more about, Wes. Uh, it wasn't the best looking of games. It wasn't a very clean game. But Man United get a big road win and the first one in the Louis van Gaal era. We played like crap and won, said the Man United fans. Um, no, I mean, you know, United... Uh, for, Arsenal has, like, a mental block on beating Man United. Yeah. It doesn't matter how bad United is. Um, <laughs> over the last year, they, they just they can't beat them. Arsenal just can't beat them. Um, I, I really think Wenger has entered this portion of his career where Wenger is going to beat Arsenal is going to beat ninety five percent of the teams that they should beat. You know mm-hmm. what I mean by that? Those are the uh, no offense, your Hulls, your your Crystal Palaces, uh, your Burnleys. Uh, they're going to beat those teams and they're going to look good doing it. And everybody's going to be happy. But for some reason, Vinger, I think he's gotten, I think, you know, Vinger's become that coach who was this maverick play outside of the box guy so much in his younger career at Monaco. And then of course, when he came and revolutionized English football arsenal, he's gotten to a point where he's really conservative in these big matches now. Yeah. It's almost like Arsenal goes in looking for draws instead of going in looking to blow somebody away. And it's it's almost like I can see Wenger like not sleeping like three days before playing United or Chelsea or City or Liverpool or, you know, um, other than Spurs, which, I mean, you know, that's what it is. Hey, we drew – they drew against us at home. He did stay up all week for that. Yes, he did. But, you know, those, those four or five teams in the league that um, – you know that Spurs are not just obviously better than when they walk on the field. Man, it just it just seems like he totally outthinks himself mm-hmm. and just blows it. And I mean, they're they're better than United. United, for for what it's worth, um, United is playing pretty well right now. They're st- I don't think they're back, but they're doing a good job of what they've got right now. Unfortunately, defensively, they're just they're horrendous. Um, and the loss of daily blend is not helping them. 
But, you know, Arsenal should have walked on that field and controlled United, and they didn't. They just, they didn't. United wouldn't let them. Certainly, you know, playing a back three of Smalling, McNair, and Blackett. Uh, not a back line that's going to uh, strike fear into the heart of many teams, especially when you have a scorer like Alexis Sanchez, who has been absolutely on fire this entire Premier League season. And you have your Diego Costas, you have your Sergio Agueros. Alexis Sanchez might be right now the MVP of this Barclays Premier League season. And the fact that he was never able to really get service is kind of disturbing in a match like this. It just oh, it disgusts me because basically Liverpool offered him more money. He just didn't want to come to Merseyside. <laughs> he wanted to live in London. Yeah. Oh, God, what we could be with Alexis Sanchez. Anyway, I think <laughs> um, You know, and he is – and it's surprising, you know, when you've got guys in the wheel, in the midfield like Wilshere, Cazorla, uh, Arteta, uh, Ramsey – and they're just they're just not getting the ball to their playmakers for whatever reason. Uh, Ram or not Ramsey, excuse me. Uh, Wilshere's picked up his um, uh, bi monthly injury, so I think he's out for the next five to six weeks. Arteta picked up an injury in that match, and he's going to be out for a while. Uh, or I believe it was that match. I can't remember if it was that match or in Europe, but Arteta's picked up an injury this week. He's going to be out for a while. Um. Wallet Chesney is mm-hmm. out injured right now. They're starting keeper. Yep. Arsenal is going to uh Arsenal's gonna have a fight keeping themselves right there in that top group yeah. for the foreseeable future. They're they're just they're gonna have a fight. Not that they won't do it because they're Arsenal and they'll figure a way out, it always seems like. But um it's gonna be interesting because they're kind of being held together by duct tape right now. Absolutely tough times over at Arsenal, especially with the uh, the injury bug once again piling up for Arsene Wenger's team. Not that we take any pleasure in that whatsoever. Um, looking at your Premier League table as it stands right now, heading into, I guess we'd call it match week 13. Um, through 12 matches for everybody, Chelsea still lead the way. 10 wins in 12 matches 32 points on the season. Southampton, after not being able to pick up all three at Aston Villa, do fall back a little bit, but they're still in second place, bless you, uh, at 26 points. Man City, somehow, someway, are in third place with 24 points, and it's a united front with Manchester, Newcastle, and West Ham in fourth, fifth, and sixth, 19, 19, and 18 points. Uh, And then you basically have a mid-table. And then as we head to the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, Hull City now finds themselves in 17th place with only 11 points. And then it's Leicester, Burnley, and QPR, 18th, 19th, and 20th. All three newly promoted teams to the Barclays Premier League. All three of them trying to stay up. Of course, Burnley finally have been picked up a couple wins. Uh, Some big points for them trying to get out right now. QPR is your bottom team. Your weekend matches look like this at 7.45. Get your Saturday started the right way with West Brom and Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, at 10, you have the choice of Burnley, Aston Villa, Liverpool, West, Stoke City, uh, Man United, Hull, QPR, Leicester, Swansea, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Newcastle, and Sunderland versus Chelsea at the Stadium of Light. And on Sunday at 8.30, it's maybe the match of the week, Southampton hosting Manchester City. And then at 11, your second match of the week, 
Tottenham hosts Everton? Does White Hart Lane continue to be a house of horrors for the home side, or can the Toffees drop again? All right, Wes, I, I, I'm sorry to do it, but we, we got to talk Champions League. What are you talking about, man? This is where we're excelling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we scored two goals. That's true. You did. That's that's improvement. Only gave up two goals. <laughs> Getting better. You, you, it's just like how we're closing the gap on you guys in, in Premier League play. Eventually, you're going to beat Ludogratz. You're going to do it. All right. Uh, as we start in Group A of the Champions League, we are through now. Five match weeks out of six. A lot has been decided, but a lot more yet to be determined. Looking at Group A right now, your matches were Atletico Madrid 4, Olympiacos nil. Nothing going right for the Greeks right now. It was an early goal by Raul Garcia in the ninth minute, and then a hat-trick by Mario Madzukic to see Atletico through. And over in Malmo, it was Malmo FF nil. Juventus to in a match that Malmo actually controlled for a good portion of it, but Fernando Lorente got a goal in the 49th minute, and then Carlos Tevez scored in the 88th to put it away. So now Group A has Madrid on top with 12 points. They will be going through most likely as group winners. Juve will be going through to something. They are currently in second place with nine points. Olympiacos in third with six points. They could they have nothing secured yet. Malmo are in fourth with three points. They can do no better than third place, but they look like they are going to drop out of the competition. However, it will be Olympiacos and Malmo in week six. Wes, I believe as we check our predictions, uh, you did have Atletico, Juve, Olympiacos, so... Right on target, but this was a group that had to figure itself out a little bit. It was, um, it just kind of had a little bit of weirdness to it. Um, Juventus, uh, they just have not, they just have not, uh, looked quite up to snuff mm-hmm. for what they should be. You know, you're the Italian champions, uh, you know, you've got world class players on the pitch. They, they, they've almost looked a little disinterested at times. Um, but I think they're coming around. They're going to be fine. Yep. Big win today at Malmo. Uh, so it looks like they're going to finish second in the group as long as I think the only way they can finish third is if they lose to Atletico and Olympiacos beats Malmo and more than likely some goal differentials might have to come into play after that. Uh, going to group B. Real Madrid currently sits atop with a perfect 15 points. They are going through as group champions. Basel, FC Basel currently in second with six points. Liverpool, West currently in third with four points. And Tournament Darlings, Ludogratz, Rosgrad also with four points. Rosgrad cannot actually go to the knockout stage of the Champions League. However, they still can make the Europa Tournament. Uh, and your scores today, Ludogratz Rosgrad 2, Liverpool 2. Uh, a very, very fast start for Rosgrad as Dani Abalo scored in the third minute, only to be answered by, there's that man again, Ricky Lambert, in the eighth minute. Uh, Jordan Henderson, demonstrative fist pumps and all scored in the 37th minute to look like he gave Brandon Rogers' side a big lift over in Europe. 
but it was not to be as Georgi Terziev scored in the 88th minute as it all fell apart for Liverpool to ensure a point for each. Elsewhere, over in Basel, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo scored in the 35th minute for Real. That was all the score they needed. Great finish, uh, or great assist by Karim Benzema on that goal. So as we talked about the failures in domestic competition, but hey, like you said, it's a result. Yeah, we're picking it up. Um, Liverpool basically blowing their chance today, you know, to fully kind of have control of second place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, instead they end up uh, with the late draw. And uh, to me, I'm, I'm just uh, – I'm. I've told you, you've heard it from me. I am ready to move on from Simone Mignolet. Yes. That said, we can't at the moment because our backup, our backup like is Brad Jones. And he's beyond terrible. So we don't really have anywhere to go right now. True. And I will say this, having watching the match today, uh, Mignolet looked very, very poor on the first goal. Uh, blocked the shot, but then, as you said on this pod before, he's 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 a shot stopper, and that's literally all he does. And that gave Abalo the chance to get a rebound and put it right in. Um, this week it came out. Uh, Liverpool legend uh, Bruce Grobelar, uh, European winning goalkeeper, keeper for thir- the number one for thirteen seasons for Liverpool, the eighties into the early nineties. Uh, one of the most beloved ever Liverpool players came out this week uh, with a very harsh criticism of uh, Simone Mignolet. As Grobelor put it, he does not command his area. I've likened Mignolet to worse than Dracula because at least Dracula comes out of his coffin now and then. Oh, goodness. He seems to stay on his line, and that's it. The whole area, not just the six-yard area, is the goalkeepers. He goes on to say, in this day and age, in modern goalkeeping, if you come out, you can catch the ball, and you get smacked, you're going to get the foul. It's not rocket science. Oh, that is is damning. And and that's the thing. I mean, Minule is, he's a good, solid keeper. Like you said, he's a shot stopper. Hey, you know, he is, he has made the legend that he has made at Liverpool off of stops, mostly on uh, penalty kicks. Mm-hmm. He's made a couple of really nice stops. His now year and a half as being the number one at Liverpool. Um, the big one, of course, in the opening match of uh, last season, um, where he got Liverpool an opening day one nil victory. <sighs> but as as the great Bruce said, there's more to being a keeper than just stopping penalty shots and stopping shots. You know, the keeper, if you look at the best keeper in the world, who in my opinion is Manuel Neuer uh, of Bayern Munich, uh, the German number one, you know, Neuer absolutely runs the entire penalty area. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he is the Rick Ross of that area. He is the boss. Yes, he is. Um, you know, he comes out, he makes plays, he, he organizes his defense um, but he will, he attacks the ball instead of letting the attack come to him and just hoping that his reflexes work right. He comes out, he takes the ball, he distributes it. He does, he's, he's fantastic. And that's what the best keepers in the world do. Yeah. And it's, it's and, very disappointing. Uh, when you, when you see a player of his talent level, not able to really put it to good use, you know, he was, I think the United States fans saw him this year, 
uh, when the United States played Belgium in the World Cup. And, uh, you know, we'll remember the greatness that was Tim Howard. And, yes, there were some good things that Mignolet did against the United States. But also, if well, not... Well, um, actually, don't forget, actually, it was uh, Thibaut Courtois. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm thinking wrong. is actually his uh, understudy. So. That's true. Never mind. Forget Chelsea's everything. Got, Chelsea's got the belt of number one. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they do. Chelsea has everything number one right now. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. So, moving on. Uh, right now, that it, it should be said, though, giving up the li- a late goal for Liverpool didn't actually really change a whole lot. They still do have to beat <clears throat> Basel. They were going to have to beat them either way uh, yeah. to advance in the knockout round. And this might actually help you because, hey, if you lose to Basel and somehow Ludogorets gets a result against Real, you don't even have to worry about that pesky Europa League. Well, see, right now, I'm going to tell you the truth, man. Right now I'm sitting here thinking, you know, is Europa going to be our one chance back into the Champions <laughs> League next year? Good point. I am daring to drink from the poison gelatin. Oh, join join us. Join oh. us. Join me and Maurizio. That's what one we're doing. One of us. One of us. <laughs> Google gobble, Google gobble. Google gobble, Google. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I'm going to go sleep tonight after bringing that up. So. Oh, let's go to group C, uh, which is still a tight group, uh, but there is some movement going on right now, including a surprise exit. Bayer Leverkusen leads the way with nine points. Monaco has eight. They are in second. They have qualified for something, as has Zenit St. Petersburg currently in third with seven points. Bayer Leverkusen is going through to the knockout stage, but it's yet to be determined if they're group winners. And maybe surprisingly, Benfica are going out of European competition. Last year's Europa League runner-ups in penalties are out with only four points through five matches. And that is a result of them losing in St. Petersburg today uh, as Danny for Zenit St. Petersburg, the captain, scored in the 79th minute on a wonderful assist from Hulk. Danny was able to beat other Brazilian notable Julio Cesar uh, for the lone goal of the match. And Benfica is done. Elsewhere, Bayer Leverkusen nil, Monaco one, you can't trust Monaco until you can. Lucas Ocampos scores in the 72nd minute. Also some dramatics there. So, Wes, we have a tight group still. Monaco, ZSP, they play in Monaco for the right to advance to the knockout stage. Who do you see going through? Uh, I think, you know, just the way Monaco's playing some... Uh... As we would say here in the United States, Monaco's playing some good ball right now. Um, I think I might be leaning toward Monaco. Um, that, that's a oh, that's going to be a tough match coming up though. That's that's going to be tough for uh, for him to beat Zenit. Yep, Zenit looking a little better now, shaking off a, a loss in the other round. But there. that's it. All, the, all they need is a draw. Monaco is playing kind of like Basel will be against Liverpool. All they need is a draw. So they can uh, stick 11 guys behind the ball if they want and try to bog down play and see what happens. And I guess, I mean, is that the smarter thing to do if you're Monaco? Just uh, assume <clears throat> that... Le- because Leverkusen does have to go to Benfica, and that's a Benfica team that has nothing to lose now. If Leverkusen either ties or loses, Monaco can still win the group. And to be fair, Zenit can actually still win the group. Well, I think I think personally, if I'm Monaco, 
um, without quite the firepower that they had a year ago. True. Um, I think it would be it would be a fantastic result for Monaco just to get out of this group, especially getting out over the champions of Russia. When uh, at this current point, Monaco actually sits, um, you know, eighth Oof. in, uh, you know, in <laughs> Um If it's me, I'm sticking 11 guys behind the ball. And, you know, if I can nail you on a counter, I'll go for it. But I'm sticking 11 behind the ball and just trying to get through. I, I think that's a smart play, and I think that's probably what we'll do. But we'll see how Andres Villas Boas, former Spurs boss, now at St. Petersburg, decides to counteract that. Uh, as we go to Group D, the haves and the have nots. Uh, Borussia Dortmund still in the lead with 12 points. Arsenal have now climbed up to 10 points. Anderlecht have five. Galatasaray with only one. Galatasaray is eliminated from all competition. Anderlecht is going through to Europa. And now Dortmund Arsenal going through. Arsenal can still win the group somehow, some way. Uh, the results from this week are Anderlecht to Galatasaray nil. Anderlecht goes to Europa with a brace by Chancel Memba Bangulu, 44th and 86th minute goals. And in Arsenal at the Emirates, a bit of good news for them there. Yaya Sonogo, who? Yeah, Yaya Sonogo. He started and he scored in the second minute for Arsenal. And their man, Alexis Sanchez Sanchez, scored in the 57th minute to put it out of reach of Jurgen Klopp's men. Dortmund still lead. They host Anderlecht in the finale. Arsenal must go to Galatasaray. Um, thoughts on the matches and thoughts about the group going forward? Uh, Arsenal, I'll give Arsenal credit, man, just for what they pulled off today. That was um, that was really big of them to <clears throat> go and get that victory. Uh, even though it was somewhat of a stripped down Dortmund side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want God, you want to talk about a team dealing with injuries. Wow, Dortmund. Um, yeah. But just to get that win, that's big for them. That was really big. Uh, gives them a chance, at least going forward, that they can look at. Uh, I still believe Dortmund's going to come out as the group winner. Um, so congrats to Arsenal. I just think, you know, Dortmund's still going to win it. As far as Galatasaray, it's just... Wow, I just I don't think we expected it. I don't think we thought they would come out of that group. Actually, we both picked them to finish second. <laughs> well, that, that's just because we hate Arsenal. <laughs> that did have something. To do with that's it, yes. totally just us being assholes. But so Galatasaray, they're they're sitting third currently in the uh, Turkish Turkish Super League. Um, they have not played their best this year. They've got three losses already on the season. Um. I think that's a team that's not quite as strong as they've been in the past. Certainly. And Anderlecht uh, is what I, I can't tell you anything about Anderlecht. Yep, me neither. Um, let's let's move, move on to Group E. Bayern Munich have won the group with 12 points. Uh, Roma, CSKA Moscow, and Man City all have five points. This is the group where everyone lives. Uh, and it's, it's Group E for Ermagerd. What the hell? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, the results were CSKA Moscow won, 
Roma won. A name we've called a little bit for Roma so far this Champions League. Francesco Totti opened the scoring for Roma in the 43rd minute. And the Italians looked to get out of Russia with all three points, but that was not to be. Vasily Berezutsky scored in the 93rd minute to secure a draw for the Russians. Elsewhere, at the Etihad, somehow, someway, it's Manchester City 3, 10-man Bayern Munich 2. Sergio Aguero in the 22nd minute scored on ability. The Coon is back, and he is doing great things uh, as Mehdi Benatia was straight-redded right out of the Etihad. Ten-man Baron looked to still get a three points out of this as it was Xavi Alonso and Robert Lewandowski scoring five minutes apart before the end of the first half to give ten-man Bayern a one-goal lead at the break. But then the Keen comes right back in the 85th and 91st minutes as all hope looked to be lost for City they somehow rescue three points. And for once, Wes, somehow, someway, City weren't crap in Europe. For one day. For one for for about 20 minutes. I can no for about seven minutes. I can say I can say 10 man Bayern Munich. Uh, and the scary thing is I mean the way the matchups are now, you know, if Munich can just draw their match, mm-hmm. uh basically if you can get a clear winner Coming out of the next Man City match, that, that's going to be your group. I mean, they, they could get out of this group after literally being in fourth place the entire time. It's it's insane. They will have to go to Roma at the Stadio Olimpico uh, to play for what is basically what you would think it's a winner-take-all match. Um, see, you got to think Barron's probably going to get at least a result against yeah. hosting CSKA Moscow. So that would put Moscow at six. The winner will have eight points, and the loser, most importantly, would actually be, in that scenario, out of the competition altogether. Of course, what if they all draw? <laughs> um, then we're going to go, God, I, I, are we, are we, okay, let me look at the tiebreakers here. Yeah, because I'm looking at it right now, according to goal differential, well, according to what ESPN has on here, City's only at minus one, but they've got them at fourth. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's look or, at the uh, Moscow are both minus four, but right in the head. All right, tiebreaker. The first one would be the higher number of points obtained in the group matches played among the teams in question. So of those three, uh, well, yeah, Roma, well, that's why City only has they've got draws against Roma and Moscow, and Roma beat Moscow uh, so, at home. And they drew. So Roma's taken four, five points from those two teams. Moscow has taken one, four points from those two teams. And so, yeah, that's that's why right now. City's only taken two. So, so and in that case, City has to win because they're they're not going to win almost any tiebreaker at this point. No, no, they they do. They they have to win outright. And um, just hope Munich can take care of Moscow. Yeah, because, I mean, if Moscow somehow beats Munich, which, again, Munich has absolutely nothing to play for. They're going through as group winners. 
Yeah, but you know, Gordon, <laughs> he just likes fucking with people. <laughs> yes, he does. He's just a big enough of an asshole to do that. Oh, we, we found that out in the NMLS this year. Um, so we'll, be, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. that ma- those matches take place December 10th. So, right, we'll, we'll have one last pod before we all go away on vacation. Um, at least oh. a live pod, we should say. Um, <laughs> yes. Group F, uh, a lot to be decided, and yet two, four teams very far apart. PSG lead with 13 points. Barca have 12. Ajax have two. APOEL have just one. PSG and Barca still fighting out for the group stage, uh, for the group win. Ajax and APOEL fighting for the poison chalice that is Europa. The scores were APOEL nil, Barca four. Luis Suarez, he was chomping at the bit, and he scored in the 27th minute to open the sheet for Barca. Yep, there you go. And then Lionel Messi. He's so great. He has served notice to the world that he is back. He had as a hat-trick 38th, 58th, 87-minute goals. And over in Paris, it was PSG three, Ajax one. Close for a little while, Edison Cavani put PSG up in the 33rd minute, but Ajax came storing you back in the 67th with Davi Klaassen. But Wes, PSG were not to be denied Never. when they have a man who scores in the 78th minute. Oh. Like Zlatan. He's more than a man. He is God. He is a, uh, he, he is a, he is a deity almost. Oh, Zlatan. He scores in the 78th minute. Edison Cavani taps in an 83rd minute goal for the insurance. PSG get all three points. So, Wes, Barca, PSG at Camp Nou in December 10th for the group win and AX APOEL for Europa. Um, congratulations, of course, going out to Messi setting the uh, European scoring record. Absolutely. So, um, wow, I'm shocked that he got that one. Yeah. What did we decide he was now? 28? 27? That was, that was basically, the hat trick was basically a, a giant, um, if any of you all out there saw The Matrix, the first one, uh, when Neo does the hand gesture to Agent Smith near the end, that was what Messi did with that hat trick. He was like, come, come get some. Didn't we, we looked it up the other day. What's Messi, 27, 28 years old? Uh, yes, Messi's 27, Ronaldo is 29. Jesus Christ. Okay, so he's not stopping anytime soon. Nope. Um, I mean, Messi's just... Messi's obviously the best player of our generation. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the best... He, I mean, he, he he's the best player since Maradona. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only difference for Messi is he has not won a, uh, has not won a World Cup. And does not have just those burned into your memory moments in an Argentina shirt. Of course, if you want to go to that end, uh, you know, Maradona was never nearly the European player. No, no, not at all. Um, I mean, Messi, Messi's up there, man. He's definitely up there with the all time top, 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 top. Great. (laughs) Without a doubt. Uh, so great for him. Uh, as for Suarez, congratulations, man. You're you're another dude now in those uh, Barcelona colors. You know, yep. enjoy being the uh, you know third wheel out there uh, when you could be at Liverpool and be a fucking club legend, you ass clown. You're not you're not bitter at all. 
I was fine when I thought we were going to be able to score goals this year. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Congratulations. Go ahead, man. Yeah, you know, thanks for helping us out. But then Stearns got hurt and we can't score anymore, so I am a little pissed at this moment. Um, who are you taking uh, in Barca? Are you taking Barca or PSG? 2-2 two, two draw. 2-2 two, two draw. PSG to go through as the winner, Barca second. Wow. And how about for AX, APOEL? Who's, who's going to Europa? Ajax. Uh, I mean, who cares? It'll be Ajax. Yeah. All right. Going to Group G, uh, Chelsea lead the way. They are going through as group winners with 11 points. Sporting have clinched something. They will be playing more football. They're in second with seven points. Schalke have nothing clinched. They are with five points in third place. And Maribor have three points. They can only make Europa. Matches this week were Schalke nil, Chelsea five. John Terry scores in the second minute. He was joined by Willian in the 29th, Ayan Kirchhoff own goal in the 44th, Jogba in the 76th minute, and then Ramirez, another Brazilian, in the 78th. Meanwhile, over in Lisbon, it was Sporting 3, Maribor 1, Mane, Nani, and Slamani all scoring for Sporting, and it was only an own goal by Jefferson that put Maribor on the board. So, Wes, Chelsea continuing their winning ways, certainly now looking like one of the favorites to maybe win this entire tournament. Yeah. Yeah. You don't sound as convinced. And of course, you know what a huge mark I am for Chelsea this year. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, for an English team, they're by far going to be your best bet to win. Oh yeah. Just don't know. As much as I still think Chelsea's going to absolutely just run away with the Premier League this year, I'm a little, 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 little concerned about Chelsea facing Europe's elite. Do you think that gives them an advantage, though, by by maybe building such a strong lead in the BPL? Do you think that that maybe gives them a chance to make sure they're fielding their better sides when they go to European competition? That'll definitely help. I just... um, you know, Mourinho is supposed to be the great, you know, extra piece that everybody needs. Mm-hmm. I just almost wonder if Mourinho's gotten to a point that when it's a massive showdown, if Mourinho isn't almost more of a hindrance. Good point. Just something to keep an eye on. I mean, obviously Chelsea's going to run away the Premier League and they're going through this, this, no doubt about it. And they will be one of the favorites. I've just I've cooled just a bit on Chelsea's European campaign. Interesting that 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 is something we talked a little bit about. I think in the off season we talked about, you know, especially when they were with the Diego Costa, and then there came the whole thing about, well, I'm going to go play for Spain. Uh, no, you're not. Uh, so there there is a little bit of drama there. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see if, uh, if he proves to be a negative in, in, uh, hindrance. He was a little bit last year when he was playing his mind games and he started talking about horses and Jaguars and other things that don't really make sense. Oh, <laughs> uh, he's Josie. He's, he's Josie. That's oh, who is this butter you'll speak of? Uh, group H, uh, things have been decided. Uh, Porto, they are going on. Speaking of Jose Mourinho, former club of him, uh, 13 points. They have won the group. Shakhtar Donetsk, the Ukraine team, they will be finishing second with eight points. Uh, Athletic Bilbao, 
four points in third place. B-A-T-E Borisov, three points. And once again, Wes, we are left to shake our heads at Bilbao. This week, a loss, uh, or I'm sorry, they actually picked up a win that actually keeps them in the heat of the competition at Shakhtar with a goal by San Jose in the 68th minute to keep their hopes alive. Otherwise, it was BATE Borisov nil, Porto 3, Herrera, Martinez, and Tello all scoring for the Portuguese. Wes, Atletico have four points, BATE have three, and a minus 20 goal differential. And somehow, someway, it's all going to come down to those two teams in Bilbao. Group H stands for group who cares. And yes, I know there's a W before the H and who. Oh, God. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, there's just not a lot of intrigue there. I think Bill Bow gets it done um, just because uh, Bate, Bate, the Masters, whatever you want to call them, uh, they're, they're going to go lose a Bill Bow. Salute. All right. Do you, do you think do you think Porto or Shakhtar can make any noise in the knockout stage? Shakhtar always seems to do something. Um, and Porto, I mean, you know, Porto, they're just they're not a sexy European team because no one keeps up with Portuguese teams, really. Yes. Um, but you never know. I mean, it's it's not that they can't. It's just after they get out of the group, people start paying attention to them a little bit. But uh. We'll see. I mean, you know, really, once you're out of the group, uh, unless you're playing, I mean, unless you're one of those teams you're playing, you know, Bayern or Real or something, you've always got a chance. And as we look now that we have gone through all the teams, uh, well, quick recap here. Real, Bayern, Chelsea, and Porto are going through as group winners. Shakhtar is going through as a runner-up. And Atletico Madrid, Bayer Leverkusen, Borussia Dortmund, Arsenal, PSG, and Barca have all qualified for the next round, but their positions have yet to be determined. So out of the 16 teams going through, we so far have 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 spots filled in, so still five spots left in match week six to be decided. Very exciting. And again, that will be, I believe, the 9th and the 10th of December. Yes, 9th and 10th of December. Or actually, I wonder if those are all... December 10th. It doesn't matter. So just check that week. We'll have the podcast. We'll wrap it up. We'll see if Wes is in tears because he's so happy to be going through to the knockout stage or if he's in tears because he's going to Europa or worse. Uh, your Europa League looks or, like this. Or, or worse. All we have to look forward to is Premier League matches. <laughs> hey, and you, uh, you're still in the, uh, the cups, the company cups. Uh, in Group C, uh, it will be a matchup between Tottenham Hotspur and Partizan Belgrade at White Hart Lane tomorrow. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur still tied atop the group with eight points with Besiktas, who they have beaten twice. So I would assume that if... Uh, Actually, I'm sorry, but they've only drawn with Besiktas. They actually played them in last week. I was thinking of Asteris Tripoli. Um, so, yes, Tottenham looking to go up in that group. And then as we move over to our other one, which I believe is Group H, uh, where we find Everton in first place with eight points. They will be taking on Wolfsburg over in Germany, trying to stay atop the 
group. Um, so I believe that is basically all your scores and results. Uh, Wes, let's quickly just do a little thing I had here. Um, let's talk a little hot seats. Rank the hot seats, maybe. Um, <laughs> now, now it may be, maybe it's cooled down at Arsenal a little, but I want you to rank in terms of heat factor or whatever you want to call it. Uh, rank Arsenal, Liverpool, Spurs, and uh, QPR. Huh. Interesting. Uh, that group. Let's go. Uh... I would assume, unless you, unless you think there's a, a more toastier seat out there, I think those would be maybe the four most interesting managerial positions at the moment. Even though truly, I don't think there's going to be a move in any of the four. Mm-hmm. Um, in order right now, I go um, QPR one, Liverpool two, Tottenham three, Arsenal four. Okay. Um, and the and and like I said, I, I don't believe just just on my side, I don't believe Brendan Rodgers is going anywhere mm-hmm. at the moment. Um, I do believe that there's a chance in the next few weeks that if they just cannot get anything going, um, I could see it being like a last gasp, like chance to try to save the season. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't know who they bring in. Uh, well, you know who, you know who my dream of them to bring in would be because of that, uh, fantastic article that we found online, um, that, that is linking the, the shocking move, of um of uh Jurgen Klopp mm-hmm. to in January leave Dortmund and go to Liverpool. <laughs> yes. Now granted much more has been talked about him going to Arsenal if he moves anywhere. Well um But keep I mean, up hope, keep up hope. Well and the thing is they're not gonna do anything with Wenger during the season. Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and tell you that. Uh because he's he's got them through in the Champions League. They're right there in contingent in England to do what they need to do. They're not going to move out Wenger. Uh, I don't believe Klopp is going anywhere. He'd be crazy, too. He's into the knockout stage himself of the Champions League. You don't just walk away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I just I, I don't know where I don't know where Liverpool would go uh, unless they maybe got a sweet uh, offer for Rafa Benitez to get him to abandon Napoli. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Or maybe they'll just bring back Kenny Dalglish again. That worked out the last time, right? There you go. Um, do you think there's a hotter seat then in the BPL? Um, maybe Villa, maybe Hull, now that they're down at the bottom of the table. Steve Bruce may be in a little bit of trouble. Um, do, do you see anywhere else? Obviously, we had talked about Alan Pardue. You know, basically, his, he was out in the morning, and now Newcastle's in fifth. Yeah, I mean he's he's found a way to save his, and how did he do it? Because he just he got them to get good results. Yeah. I mean that will save you, unless someone just hates your ass. Mm-hmm. That will completely save you in the Premier League or, or getting the results. Uh, you know, Ed. Really, the thing about the thing about the Premier League is you don't want to think anyone's on the hot seat, but then you know, I mean, literally everyone in the Premier League is on the hot seat. True, very true. I mean, other than literally other than Mourinho and maybe Van Hall, I mean, would it 
would it just absolutely demolish and blow your mind if you woke up tomorrow morning to hear that anyone else got fired? <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I, I don't know. I think maybe, eh, maybe Pellegrini? Maybe. I, well, I don't know. They're not, they're not thrilled at the moment with yeah. what's going on around there. If, if they don't qualify for Europe and they start to slump in the Premier League, yeah. I mean, that those are itchy trigger fingers over at the Eddie head. Oh, yeah, that's true. Very true. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, Komen's in a good place right now. But yeah, I'm, not, I, I'm not saying at all that any of these guys are getting fired by any means. I'm just saying never, literally, unless you're Mourinho at this point, I don't think you can ever not somewhat be just glancing over your shoulder every now and then. True. Um, as we move stateside a little bit real quick, NMLS as in the semifinals, uh, the conference finals, if you will. And in the first legs, it was New England Revolution 2, New York Red Bull 1. Jermaine Jones in the 85th minute put the New Englanders ahead uh, in leg one. And over on the West Coast, Best Coast, LA Galaxy won Seattle Sounders nil. Marcelo Sarvas scored in the 52nd minute, and that is how their leg one match ended. And the return leg for those uh, matches are this Saturday and Sunday. New England and New York play on Saturday at 3 o'clock. And on Sunday at 9 o'clock on ESPN, it'll be Seattle versus LA with the right to go through to an MLS finals. Um, speaking of United States soccer players, uh, Josie Altidore not getting a lot of run at Sunderland right now. He hasn't played a, a Premier League game for the Black Cats this season. Uh, Gus Poyet has said he does not really have many plans for Josie. And so now some suitors are lining up, including... Uh, Leal Wes, and they're thinking of him as a potential replacement in case the original gangster Divac Origi heads back to Liverpool this January, and maybe even for some more. There are also a few German sides as well that look like they want him, but right now, uh, Leal of Leal, can't do it as well as you, but I try, uh, are in the running for Josie. Do you think this is what Josie needs to do, and do you think Jurgen Klinsmann, he loves his men's playing European competition, would be okay with this move? Well, hell, um, I mean, if you really look at it, I mean, where do you have a better chance of actually getting into Europe, Lille or Sunderland? True. Um, you know, for Josie, it's not working out at Sunderland. Uh, maybe he's just not really cut out for the Premier League. Some guys are, some guys aren't. That's not, you know, it's not really a slap in the face. Um I think it'd be a good move for him. Just try something different. I mean, he, I, I think Klinsman would be just fine with it. You're, you're playing in Europe, you know, you're still playing in a good solid league over there. It's still light years better than MLS. True. Um, Very true. And you know, there is the chance of Lille playing European football. Yeah, absolutely. They're currently in the Europa league and there's a chance that they could continue to improve. So I, I, I think it would be a good move for him. Get him playing time. You know, I think that's something we talked about, you know, when Bradley came back from Roma uh, to play at Toronto FC. You know, well, he wasn't getting playing time there. He'll get playing time here in MLS. Well, you're not getting the same kind of playing time, though. You're not getting the same kind of training. League Un is not that much off the Barclays Premier League. These are two very, very good leagues. The BPL is better, but not demonstrably so. And Lille are a good side in that league. 
Well, and, and just here's the deal on it. Um, you know, and I do believe, obviously, we feel that the Premier League, I, I, I feel they are actually quite a quite a few steps better than Lichum. But um, at the same time, Sunderland's never going to Europe, man. No. I mean, it's just, it's not going to happen. They're fighting the relegation battle every year. You go to Lille, they may not get back into Europe this year. But, you know, you stick around a year at Lille, hell, you know, you could be right back into Europe in a year. Uh, and that would be awesome to see somebody like Josie Altidore, an American outfield player, especially if he was playing a real part in it, you know, getting a chance to go into the Champions League. That would be just an amazing uh, level of experience for him to pick up. Certainly getting a lot of experience for him. Uh, still looks to be a part of the next World Cup cycle plans. Maybe even taking the captaincy from Clint Dempsey next World Cup cycle. So it would be very important for him to get a little more European seasoning and experience in big, big matches, which everyone in Champions League and even Europa League are some really big matches and big competitions. All right, Wes, let us move quickly to baseball. Uh, there were a few deals of course, none bigger than the twofer the Boston Red Sox pulled off this uh, Tuesday afternoon, getting both Hanley, framing Hanley Ramirez. He's back. He's back in Boston uh, when he signed a. I need to find the specifics here on the page. I believe ninety million. Yes, with an option for a sixth year, um, as well as also getting. Pablo Sandoval away from the San Francisco Giants. He'll be getting 95 over five years with a club option for six. Uh, two good signings, I think, for the Red Sox. Um, the money isn't astronomical. Um, you're paying these players basically their primes or right at the end of the primes. I think uh, Hanley will be about 35, 36 at the end of his deal. Sandoval will be about 33, 34. Mm-hmm. I, 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 it's a little confusing maybe if you think about some of uh, the skill sets and if you really want to play uh, end up playing Ramirez out in the um, the outfield huh? you know what does that mean for um, Yenis Espedes going forward are they going to try to trade him we had heard some rumblings that some oh. of the coaching staff didn't like him <laughs> You know yeah. how 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 do how do these two guys fit into Boston's plan going forward? I, f- I think they fit great. Um, you know, right now you're seeing on the social media people going around. You know, I, I don't understand why Boston's doing this. They need pitching. Yeah. Did you watch Boston hit last year? <laughs> this is good. Um, you know, outside of Ortiz uh, and whenever Napoli can actually stay healthy. Did you really see any power from the Red Sox? Because I, for one, did not. Uh, you know, Pedroia at this point of his career seems like his power has dwindled. He's still a really good hitter. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's about a 15 to 20 home run a year guy if you're having a good year with him. Um, the Red Sox need some pop. Uh, and, they, and they're getting the production one at third base from Sandoval, Sandoval where last year they got no production from third base. Mm-hmm. Will Middlebrooks, man, I was a fan. For whatever reason, it's not clicking for the kid. Um, I'm not saying it won't ever click for him, but I don't think it's going to click for him in Boston. I think his days are kind of done with the Red Sox. Might get one more chance, maybe if somebody goes down with an injury and he comes up, and we'll see what he can do. <clears throat> um, the other thing with Sandoval, he's a switch hitter. Yes. 
you know, he as a left-hander, he will go backside, um, which I, means he gets he gets to pepper that three fourteen monster and left. That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, he's not a gigantic power guy, especially for a corner infielder, but he yeah. has a really good approach. He gets the bat on the ball a lot, and for someone like that who can use all fields. Being a switch hitter, whether he's in the left or right-handed batter's box, he can just destroy the green monster and, of course, wrap one around Pesky's pole. I think Sandoval is a great fit in Fenway Park. I think he's going to be really good. And to top it off, you know, the the question with Sandoval is always his weight. Well, I mean, you know what? In three years, if we decide, you know, Sandoval's over it, you know, Apparently one day David Ortiz has to retire. <laughs> it, it is in the law, I think, yes. As long as he keeps hitting 35 bombs a year and, you know, hits 280 and knocks in 100 runs, he can play as long as he wants. But, you know, one day when Ortiz is done, hey, you know, Sandoval might slide right into that DH spot, you know, and then maybe by that point you've groomed a third baseman right. for the future mm-hmm. uh, who can make some things happen for you. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. As far as Hanley Ramirez goes – yeah, and the next thing I heard, well, the Red Sox have a log jam in the outfield. Who exactly hit last year in the outfield? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we've got a log jam of names out there. But shit, they didn't do anything last year. True. Um, Victorino so, was hurt a lot of the year. Jackie yeah. Bradley failed to impress. Nava yeah. was hurt a lot. And then you have Rosny Castillo, <laughs> Alan Craig, and Brock Holt. There you go. And Craig was hurt. Well, don't forget Mookie Betts. I know. I, I'm just. I'm we, hoping one day he can be moved back to the infield. That might not be a bad thing, too. Hey, that might be your third best for one day. Who knows? Sure. Um, uh, you know, Craig was hurt. Victorino was hurt. Uh, Nava was hurt. Who who out of that group are you trusting at this point? For me, the Red Sox have gotten what they paid for out of Victorino. Mm-hmm. I don't I, I I don't think I ever expect Victorino to be a big contributor again. He can't stay healthy. Even in the World Series year, he didn't really stay healthy. He just was awesome in the postseason. Right. Uh and he actually got hurt there, but thank God it just didn't kill us. Yes. <laughs> um one big home run. That's all we needed. There you go. Game hey, six ALCS. It's JD Drew, baby. Yes. But um and every little thing's gonna be all right. Yes. I I think Hanley is uh he, he, here's the deal. He's willing to play the outfield. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not coming in pouting about it. Um, he's athletic. Yeah. I mean, I mean, really? Yes, I understand that the outfield, it, it is a learned art. But, I mean, come on, people. Manny freaking Ramirez <laughs> played left field for the Red Sox. Um, and actually played the monster pretty well, even though he was a horrendous outfielder. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Hamley, he has the arm. He'll be fine. He can't be worse than Manny out there. <laughs> now, no, he's not exactly going to put up Manny numbers, but Hamley Ramirez, also a guy who's going to get that green monster to hit at now, mm-hmm. um, I think he's going to put up good numbers. He's not going to put up age 24, 25 numbers. Right. Where he hit 340 one year, and then one year he hit 40 home runs and drove in 130 runs. Yeah. He's not he's not that guy anymore. He's not stealing 40 bases anymore. But I can see this guy in Boston hitting upper 290s, around 300, hitting 20 to 25 home runs, knocking in 100 runs, and scoring 100-plus runs. I can see him being that guy for the Red Sox, and that is exactly what they need. They had to get an injection into that lineup. Absolutely, and still John Lester, 
uh, out on the free agent market, still open to re-signing with the Red Sox, San Francisco. Oh. And I believe uh, St. Louis and Atlanta, a little bit in play there. But it looks like Chicago's, Chicago's still going to end up in play. I think either yes. goes to Chicago or Boston. I, I agree with you. Uh, the White Sox, speaking of another Chicago team, did sign Adam LaRoche away from the Washington Nationals. They get him on a two-year, $25 million deal. Uh, the Rays get Ernesto Frieri. Uh, and maybe the biggest news, some of the other biggest news came out just a little bit ago, actually, only about five, six hours ago. Uh, Yasmani Tomas, the Cuban slugger who has been on the radar of a lot of teams, signs a six-year, $68.5 million deal with Arizona. Arizona, of all teams, one of the worst teams in the league last year. That's where he's going to go. He's going to fit right into that outfield along with uh, Mark Trumbo. And, man, Arizona's going to be able to at least hit a little bit next year. And, of course, they also got Jeremy Hellickson, a pretty good pitcher, in a trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. So maybe Arizona's starting to rebuild a little bit. You remember when Hellickson was supposed to be the next big thing? Yeah. God, he was amazing in Durham, by the way. Yes, he was. He was very good. And he was a good pitcher for the Rays. Um, Arizona understands that they've got to try to do something. When you're out there with the Dodgers who can just outspend everybody, and you're out there with, with the Giants who, shit, at this point, that's the best franchise in baseball. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're out there with those guys, you've got to, you've got to take some chances and try to do some things because you're not going to, you're not just going to pass them with the old stand, status quo. Right. I, I, I agree but, with you that the Diamondbacks have put up championship teams before. They've won a World Series. Uh, they've won the division a couple times. So they know they, – they do have a little bit of that experience. They haven't been totally inept. But, man, I tell you what, when Arizona has been bad, they have been very bad. They have. But you think now when they were good, it was from making bold moves. They've never been a big build-the-farm system club. Yeah. <clears throat> the Kurt Schilling deal that in 2000 that eventually saw them win a World Series in 2001. Exactly. I mean, Schilling and Randy Johnson, I mean, you know – you know, yeah, they can they can throw some money at guys. Arizona is a very uh, attractive place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're West Coast, but you're not like quite in LA. Yes. Some guys just oh god, I don't want to live in LA. But you're in the West Coast. The weather is amazing out there. Um, you know, a lot of guys live and train there in the off season anyway. Um, you know, Phoenix is a really it's a it's a cool place to live, so um, that that definitely plays in their favor. Also, real quick before we move out of baseball, uh, Josh Willingham retires uh, at the age of thirty four. So that's I, mean, a lot I remember of him as a mudcat. Yes, he was. He he was a lot of things. He was a twin. He was a natinal. He was uh, a couple other teams as well. So good career for Josh Willingham, calling it quits at the age of thirty four. All right, Wes, let's let's move to Ragnarok. Let's move to the Hunger Games. Let's talk oh, about college football. Hold on. Right. Just let me get my breath here. All right. Oh, my freaking God, what a week it's going to be. Yeah, after the snooze fest that was week 13, we are now into week 14 where everything is on the line. Uh, it's actually going to start tonight, assuming you're listening to this on Thursday. TCU goes to Texas on Thanksgiving night. Uh, maybe their last roadblock on the path to getting somehow into the football playoff. Friday, you have Arizona State, Arizona, and a battle of ranked teams. You have Arkansas, Missouri, which is for a chance to go to the SEC championship game for Missouri if they win. If they do not, 
Georgia gets in. That's at 2.30 on Friday. And then more fun on Saturday, 7.45 on ESPN. Number 15, <laughs> Auburn, goes to number one, Alabama. At 3.30, you have Florida at Florida State. Also, you have on CBS, number four, Mississippi State goes to number 19, Ole Miss. The Egg Bowl. The Egg Bowl, absolutely. A lot for Mississippi State to play for. A loss knocks them out of the college football playoff, you'd have to imagine. A win, and even if they don't go to the SEC championship game, maybe still in. Maybe still in. Uh, Elsewhere, you have Georgia Tech and Georgia at noon. Uh, You have Minnesota, Wisconsin at 3.30, and you have Utah State, Boise State. Actually, a very important matchup in the Mountain West. Boise State uh, actually in the college football playoff rankings. I believe they came in at 23rd. I want to say, yes, 23rd. Also, Marshall for the first time this year on the college football rankings. They are 24th. They're one of the only two undefeated teams left in college football, and they are 24th. But right now, your top four are Alabama, Oregon, Florida State, Mississippi State. Your next four are TCU, Ohio State, Baylor, and UCLA, Georgia, right there at ninth. And I still believe if they run the table, if they beat Tech, and they beat most likely Alabama in the SEC title game, they should get in. Uh, you got to have stuff above that happen. You're going to have. Things have to happen for that. Um, uh, Georgia, I, I think Georgia would be sitting in such a prime position right now. It wouldn't be funny if they had not just laid that stink ass rod and egg against Florida. Oh yeah, certainly. I I think I think they'd be as high as fourth or fifth right now if they hadn't. They they they'd be uh, they'd be right in there in that conversation. Um, just to tell you how crazy and awesome this weekend in the SEC is going to be. Nine games involving SEC teams. Seven of them will have ranked teams playing. And, you know, one of the ones that does not have a ranked team playing in it is only LSU and Texas A&M. Yeah, there's your, there's your Thanksgiving 730 game. Oh, yeah, well. I, I don't really care who else is playing on Thanksgiving. That's the game I'm going to watch on Thanksgiving. <laughs> screw you, NFL. Uh, you know, screw you, Big 12. I'm watching Texas A&M and LSU because that's me. Um, elsewhere, Clemson, number 21, takes on South Carolina. Yep. Uh, number 22, Louisville, hosting Kentucky. And number three, Florida State, hosting Florida. Now, you, you know, just to screw with us all on his way out the door, <laughs> be hella something for Muschamp to knock off the Seminoles. The entire world, for once, is getting behind Florida and Will Muschamp. Uh, your other unranked games are uh, t- is Tennessee versus Vanderbilt. Tennessee trying to get bowl eligible, so they need a win over Vanderbilt. Very important. Big big weekend in the SEC. This is this is going to be. Of course, we'll be tuned in to a lot of this. Um, well, Wes, uh, how how do you see this playing out? Who's going to be the top four in the college football playoff coming out of this weekend's Hunger Games? <coughs> Uh, I don't think we're going to have any shakeup. Alabama, so you, Oregon, Florida State, Mississippi State. So you think all our top four teams are going to win? I do. I, do. I think they're all going to win. Um, do you see either TCU? No, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. Continue, continue. I was going to say, do you see either TCU, Ohio State, or Baylor 
leapfrogging if they went out Mississippi State? I do not. Um, you know, if Mississippi State not beats Mississippi and beats them nice and convincingly, mm-hmm. I mean, what can you say to Mississippi State? You lost one game. It was by five points on the road to the team that we have ranked number one. Yeah. You know, and I'm sorry because you're still, to me, you still look at Ohio State and say you lost at home to Virginia Tech who's not going to a bowl game. And you can just point to this three-game stretch uh, early in the season. At number eight, then, LSU, win. At home against number six, Texas A&M, win. At home against number two, Auburn, win. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know what you can say to them. I don't know you can keep it out. Um, For TCU, uh, TCU, let me make sure I'm not, that's right. TCU still plays, I believe, Kansas State. No, that is you. Or is that Baylor? That's Baylor. Okay, Baylor still plays Kansas State. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, That's. God, that's just that's so interesting. Of course, there's no championship game in the Big 12. Right. Um, as you said, you know, Wisconsin-Minnesota winner plays Ohio State in the Big 10 championship game. If anyone slides their way in, it's going to be Baylor-TCU. But, I mean, I just I, – I personally would be devastated – to see Mississippi State get left out of this, man. If they go and take care of business against Ole Miss, I just I, I don't I don't think the committee could go home knowing that they had done anything fair if they leave Mississippi State out. I agree. I mean, their resume is will just be so impressive at that point because if they win, I mean, if they win this week, that's another win against a ranked team. I mean, what what else do you want them to do? Like we said, their only loss would have been to the number one team in your poll yeah. by five points on the road. Yeah. There's not a whole lot you can ask them to do more. No. There's really not. I mean, yes, they could have gone and won that game, but yeah. I mean, how many teams go into uh, Bryant-Denny and beat Alabama? Yeah, exactly. So I, There's nothing more they can do. So we'll, we'll have to see how this shakes up. Oh, it's, it's going to be a fun weekend. That's all I got to say. It's going to be a fun, fun weekend. All right, moving on, Wes, uh, we are going to now hit the zeitgeist. Uh, Interesting thing, uh, Star Wars, uh, the new new movie coming out, is actually releasing the teaser trailer for Episode 7, directed by J.J. Abrams. Uh, The Force Awakens is the name. Uh, Wes, do you have a favorite Star Wars memory? Uh, Did you like Star Wars? Ah, I I like it fine. I like the first. I like the three original ones. Mm-hmm. I have zero use for anything that's come out after that. True, very true. Um, I think I was, you know, I got kind of excited when the first, yeah, you know, episode whatever pod racing. Yeah, like that first one came out. You know, I think everybody wanted to see it. And I went into the movies and saw that one. Yeah, me too. I was like, okay, I'll I don't want to see any more of these. I'll just stick with the first three. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm just, I'm a huge mark for early Harrison Ford work. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, just overall, you know, here at our, at the Bradshaw household at the Bradshaw estate, 
Um, we are big Indiana Jones fans around I here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we watch Raiders of the Lost Ark at least every other month, it seems like. Uh, it's, it's on TV a lot. But um, yeah, big, big, big Harrison Ford fans. I loved him as Jack Ryan. So he was my guy. You know, I liked Han Solo. I thought Mark Hamill was a complete dork. Um, <laughs> never, never saw that much in Carrie Fisher. Uh, Chewbacca, Chewbacca deserved every Academy Award nomination out there and was just robbed time after time. Absolutely. He, he is the I am Groot of our generation. Um, fantastic so, stuff there. And we'll, we'll have to see how this teaser trailer plays. Uh, the teaser trailer for Jurassic World came out earlier this week starring Chris Pratt, um, fresh off his stint with Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, tepid reaction, I'd say. Tepid at best uh, is, is, is the, the vibe I was getting from Twitter and Facebook. So we'll have to see if the new Star Wars teaser trailer does any better in the social media sector. Maybe I was a weird one because Jurassic Park came out like at the perfect time in my life where like, you know, I should have been totally into it. Uh-huh. I believe I was 12, 13. Didn't care. I never, never really cared for dinosaurs. No, I, I never did either. I never saw any of the Jurassic Park movies. I just, I didn't care. Never it's did like anything. At, at age 13, I, all I was trying, or at age 12, all I was trying to do was uh, find a rental copy of Platoon somewhere and watch it. So. Hey, there you go. Uh, moving on now, we we do need our dumb NFL story of the week, and uh, we have one, Wes. It's Browns quarterback Johnny Menzel involved in a fout and fight in downtown Cleveland early Saturday. Uh, thankfully, wasn't listed as a suspect, so there's that good stuff. Uh, the Cleveland Police Department's report stated Menzel was approached by a fan who said he was assaulted by the rookie quarterback and quote. His entourage and the incident was reported at 2.36 in the morning. This is 2.36 in the morning before the Cleveland Browns game on Sunday. Ed, you've, yeah. met, my dad. You, you've met my father. Uh-huh. Yes. Sir. He's a, he's a uh, Pete, Pete, my father, Pete. Uh, he's a very uh, he's a very sage man, a very uh, conservative man, Ed. Mm-hmm. Um, has had the same haircut since the Reagan era. Uh, Pete has always told me, Nothing good happens after midnight. Yeah. Uh, I disagree with that a little bit because I've had some pretty cool shit happen after midnight <laughs> in my life. True, true, very but true. Very I also, true. you know, as uh, he is, he has been a public servant, uh, a paramedic for thirty-five plus years. So uh, obviously, he he knows usually what happens at three, four in the morning, um, <laughs> because he's picking someone up a lot. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, Johnny Manziel, you're a grown man, sort of. Um, He's a man child at this point. Yeah, a little bit. Be smarter than that, dude. At 2.30 in the morning, I'm sure this fan was, I, I don't mean to slander him at all. I'm sure this guy had been drinking because, once again, if you're out at 2.30 in the morning, I hope you've been drinking because there should be nothing better for you to do. <laughs> You'd um, be surprised. So I'm, I'm quite sure there was alcohol involved in this somewhere. Johnny, you gotta be smarter than this, dude. And hey, from a personal perspective, uh, a bar fight in Cleveland is what got my boy Mike Mason cut from the Browns many a year ago. So, 
Yeah, it's it's stunning to me. This is a, a player who hasn't really done a whole lot this year for Cleveland. You know, we talked about it at the beginning of the year. Oh, should they, you know, the media is going crazy. Should they start Hoyer? Should they start Manziel? And Hoyer's led them to a nice little tidy 7-4 and four record. They're tied, you know, basically for the division in the crazy uh, AFC North. Oh, man, that's... God, after that Ravens win the other night. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so basically it's Cincinnati leads the division at 7-3-1. and one. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland are all 7-4. and four. Yeah. So a half game just separates them all. And then there's the South. But, and then there's the NFC South. But, um, <laughs> Let's not even talk about that. That is a, a dumpster fire at this point. Um, but this is – it's the day before a game. Or the night before a game, rather. Yeah, and, and there's my big problem. Night before a game, man, get your ass home. I think you said at the beginning, the beginning of our, our very brief NFL preview, um, that unless the Browns would be demonstrably better with Hoyer, they should go with Manziel. Yeah. Do you think now that Cleveland has made? Does it look like Cleveland has made the right choice so far? They have, and I, I was, I was more of a play Manziel guy. But, you know, Hoyer, for, for the obvious limitations that Brian Hoyer brings you, um, he's been what they've needed this year. They needed a game manager because they've, other than, I mean, even take out Hoyer, they played some pretty doggone good football this year in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You know, they're playing good defense. They're running the football. Their special teams are good. They're winning football games the small ways. Yes. You know, I mean, they're not. <laughs> I mean, when they get in the news, it's usually because of Manziel still. <laughs> Um, but they, they've just they've turned into a good, solid football team this year. So, yes, they have made the right move. Um, and I, I, I truly I believe that Manziel is probably – I believe some of his actions right now, because he still acts like a fucking child, are probably coming down to frustration that he's not playing. But, I mean, at this point, you're 7-4. and four. Why are you going to make a change? Exactly. No now, point in doing still, it now. That said, I believe no matter what happens, I mean, unless Cleveland goes and wins the Super Bowl somehow, um, I believe it goes. I believe it's an open quarterback competition going into next year. Mm-hmm. And if it is, if Manziel has half a brain in him because he is so much more talented than Hoyer, man, you've got to go in ready to win the job next year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, it, 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 I think the one other point of this is. Where do teams look at this and, and the antics Manziel had in college and what's happening now in the, in the NFL? How does this affect maybe Jameis Winston and, and the things? Because Winston has done much <laughs> worse things than Manziel really ever did in college. And, and now you're talking about bringing that guy in, onto your team? You know, do do NFL teams start thinking much harder now, especially with all the other issues the NFL has had to deal with? Yeah, they do, and you know, getting on to Winston a little bit. Winston just hasn't been great this year either. No, I mean, you know, it's not like the guy's going out and putting up Heisman numbers every week and just being an asshole. He's kind of being an asshole, and he's kind of, you know, just barely pulling his own ass out of the fire every week. Um, you know, Johnny, and you know that I've always actually been a big um, defender of Johnny Manziel. Yes. I always said, you know, he's a kid, he's in college, the spotlight's on him. I think, you know, I, I really felt that, you know, uh, just because he was, you know, he, he was this kind of kid who liked to party and he was in the media spotlight so much because of the Heisman thing 
that, you know, everything he did was ESPN just breaking it down a million ways. But, I mean, here you are, you know, you're in the pros. When you get in the pros, man, it's time to grow up a little bit because this is your job. This isn't about going to frat parties, you know, in College Station on a on a Thursday night and doing something stupid. I mean, this is your job now, man. You're getting paid millions of dollars to do this. Mm-hmm. And obviously you came in and things are not going according to plan for you. You need to, at this point, you need to like batten down the hatches and you need to just, uh, you need to spend your nights getting your nose in that playbook and figuring out why you're not starting for the fucking Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Exactly so, um, I'm, I'm kind of losing a little bit of my patience with Manziel. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge him after his rookie season by any means, mm-hmm. but, um, I just, I think, I think the first half of next season is going to tell us a lot about if Manziel is going to succeed or not in this league. I agree with you. And we'll be waiting for that. Um, Wes, let us now move into the watch. What have you been watching or what will you be watching in the week that was and will be? Not a damn thing. All my shows are on uh, hiatus for the holiday. I noticed that. Mine kind of happened like that, too. No freaking Sons of Anarchy this week, man. I'm sitting here, like, dying inside a little bit. <laughs> no Sons. Uh, no Sons. No American Horror Story. Um, what have I watched? I watched the last two weeks of Tosh.0. Oh, Hilarious, okay. as always. I'm sure. By the way, real quick, if... Um, if anyone can pull up, if you want, if you want something funny to watch and just understand some of our disdain for ESPN in general, um, Tasha's Sports yes. Point oh, yes, is literally one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen in my life. It's pretty great. It is amazing. <laughs> well, you know, he talks a lot about Johnny Manziel because yeah. so does ESPN. But anyway, so I watched some Tosh. Uh, caught up on some uh, caught up on some old uh, WWE Network. Um, which we'll get to in a, in a few minutes. Uh, and other than that, it's been a, a steady diet of uh, Paw Patrol, Octonauts, and Peppa Pig around here. Oh, fantastic! And of course, being the um, the princess. Yes, of course. Um, I like most of my shows as well. We're on break this week, except uh, Grim will actually be back this Friday night. Uh, very exciting. I told you guys last week, uh, last Friday's episode was basically the Kickstarter as we rush towards the midseason finale. Uh, Nick Burkhart uh, still doesn't have his grim powers back, his ability to see the creatures that are out there plaguing uh, the good city of Portland, Oregon. Um, but his, uh, his girlfriend, Juliet, uh, they, there is a spell that she has to do, even though she's not magical, it's just she has to perform it uh, to get him his powers back. And she was kind of like, well, I don't know. You know, it's just I, I kind of like him without his powers. Maybe we can go have an actual life together, blah, 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 blah. And then something happened at the end of this last episode. And she's like, nope, I'm ready. Let's do this. You need to be a Grim again. Let's go right now. It's time. Let's do this. I was like, mm, mm, that is so good. Yes. Step up, woman. I, that's what I like to hear. All well, right. That's, that's women for you. Always thinking they can change you. Always uh, thinking they have a better plan, and then it all blows up on them. And then they're like, nope. Uh-uh. Nope. You, it's time you go out there and, and kill some people. It's, that's it, right. My wife's at work tonight, so. <laughs> well done, sir. You're Safe such a. It's okay. I'm a coward, too. And trust me. Trust me. I think she would literally listen to a uh, to a vinyl record backwards for an hour before she listened to me talk sports for two hours. So. 
True that. She's uh, not listening to this podcast. <laughs> nope. Um, Wes, let's get so raw. You you alluded to it with the WWE Network. What is going on in the world of wrestling? Oh, Ed. First and foremost, Ed, you and I, less than two weeks away, potentially. I hope so. Guess if you hadn't talked to the guy. <laughs> I haven't, no. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see about that. Well, I definitely, you potentially heading to uh, Williams Coliseum, Minji, Minji <laughs> Coliseum, Williams Arena on the campus of East Carolina well University to see the WWE live. Me for the not first time, you for the first time. Fingers crossed, hopefully. Um, so that's the big one for us. This past Sunday, Ed Survivor Series, one of the big four pay-per-views of the year, uh, took place in oh, – where did they do it at? Uh, I can't remember. I don't what a so up. raw this is. Yeah, I don't keep up with cities well at all. Um, but, yeah, so they had it. Oh, it was it was in St. Louis because I oh, remember okay. making a uh, Ferguson reference the next night. To some of course place. You did. <laughs> They got out of there in time, didn't they? Of course you did. Um, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> in St. Louis, <clears throat> good solid card. Um, Bray Wyatt, Dean Ambrose had a fantastic match that uh, ended in a disqualification after Ambrose took a chair to Bray Wyatt. Um, we went ahead and were booked for the next pay-per-view, which is three weeks away, the rematch, a tables, ladders, and chairs match. Oh, my. Yes, Ed, it, it's just as fun as it sounds. Tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh, all my. Used. Uh, so that was a big one there. And then the one that literally the internet kind of exploded about, the last match of the night, the big Survivor Series-style um, five-man elimination match, Team Cena versus Team Authority. The stipulation, if Team Authority lost... Triple H and Stephanie McMahon, the authority themselves, would no longer be in charge of WWE. Uh, if John Cena's team lost, uh, Cena's entire team would be fired. But not Cena, because uh, they were then going to like just torture Cena. Sure. So anyway, um, as the match went along, uh, we, we found ourselves in a three-on-three situation. When the Big Show, the world's largest athlete, seven foot one, four hundred fifty pounds, uh, decided that he didn't want to lose his job, so he turned around and knocked out John Cena. Oh, okay. He was one of the best moments of the night because God, who doesn't love watching John Cena just get knocked cold cocked out? Very true. Uh, Cena was pinned. The Big Show then left the ring to have himself counted out. Um, so that left one Dolph Ziggler, who will be in Greenville on December 7th, Ed. Awesome. Hopefully you'll get to see him because he's incredible. Um, it left Dolph Ziggler versus uh, my personal second favorite wrestler behind the great Dean Ambrose right now, Seth Rollins. You know, I'm a big Seth Rollins guy. I do. Because who did who did we believe in, Ed? The Shield. We believed in the Shield. We did. <sighs> Seth broke him up. June 2nd, 2014, a day that I'll probably end up having tattooed on my body somewhere, Ed. We'll film that for the sports show. Saddest day of Oh, fantastic idea. Maybe they'll pay for it. (laughs) (laughs) Money. Yeah, we don't have any. Um, 
Seth Rollins, Luke Harper, and good old Corporate Kane, who once again will be in Greenville, all left in the match. Uh, Ziggler, fighting against uh, insurmountable odds, found a way to eliminate Harper and Kane and was very close to eliminating Seth Rollins when Triple H decided he needed to intervene in because <gasps> his team was about to get beaten. He didn't want to lose his job. So he decided to uh, intervene in the match, took out a pair of referees, <coughs> uh, decimated Dolph Ziggler, had pulled Seth Rollins' lifeless body on top of him for the pin. And just as the, uh, the, the shady referee, because there's always a shady referee, gotta be, <coughs> was about to make the three count, all of a sudden, for the first time ever in a WWE slash WWF ring, the legendary Sting made his WWE debut. Um, anyone who was a big WCW fan, especially back in the day during the Monday Night Wars, obviously Sting was a major part in that. Uh, to this point, he was the last active uh, re- major wrestler who had never wrestled for the WWE. Made his debut did a scorpion death drop on Triple H. Oh, my. Pulled Dolph Ziggler on top of Seth Rollins. One, two, three. And Ed, Triple H no longer has a job. Oh, no. Well, he still has a job. He's just no longer the oh. authority over the main show anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> as, as Vince McMahon said, he would still have his office job. <laughs> you know, good for him, right? Absolutely. Uh, so then, real quick, just to recap Raw the next night, since we no longer had any authority on Raw, Daniel Bryan came back to be Yay. the uh, general manager for one night. Yes, yes. Which is awesome because, yes, yes, yes. Good call, Ed. Yes, 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 yes. We love doing that. And we all did it at my house. Even Princess Callie, who loves doing the yes champ. I'm sure she does. Oh, I'm sure she has no idea why, but she just likes doing it. It's adorable. Uh, Daniel Bryan basically gave comeuppance to the uh, members of Team Authority from the night before. <coughs> and the show ended on a happy note with Daniel Bryan, Dolph Ziggler, and John Cena in the ring. Yes, yes, yes. We'll see you Monday night on Raw. Brilliant. Brilliant. Could not, could not ask for more. <coughs> it was just refreshing. <sighs> Jennifer? The F in here. Oh, uh, well, that is going to do it for us. I, I'm I'm very much maybe looking forward to going to, to Greenville for that. You're, you're getting a little excited. You're like, I'm not a fan, but, you know, this could be intriguing if I could go for free. Yes. Oh, oh, absolutely. It's very, very intriguing if I can do it for free. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things we do for free, this was episode 30 of the All New Sports Show, the podcast. Um, we hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, our special Sort of Thanksgiving. God, we, we we've hit thirty. That means we're on the downslope from here on out. It's oh god, I can't wait till we have our mid podcast crisis. Um, you can of course tell us about your favorite Thanksgiving traditions and favorite family fights that you've had because that's pretty much what you do. Maybe you punched a guy on Black Friday. Who knows? Please share it with us. Uh, you can hit us as a collective on Twitter at Only Sports <laughs> Show Wes. As you hack up along, what you they can find you on Twitter at. 
at Wes Bradshaw 21, where you can't hear me cough on there, folks. Please excuse me. Absolutely. No problem. Uh, I am at Edward Green. Uh, You can also get us on Facebook, facebook.com slash all new sports show, Instagram.com slash all new sports show, YouTube.com slash the all new sports show. Uh, email us all new sports show at gmail.com find us uh at 1701 sunset avenue suite 201 rocky mountain north carolina 27804 for all your letters and parcels uh as well as we like to thank of course podbean.com for graciously hosting our podcast and distributing it out to you guys uh as well as uh the itunes music store where you can find us as well and stitcher radio which is still pumping it out for us there and of course if you want just an rss feed for your own personal player like podcast republic you can go find that on our facebook page and download to your heart's content wes anything to say before we head on out and enjoy some turkey in a little bit uh just so the folks at home know that my uh my respiratory sickness has come from the fact that in the last seven days in the in the state of north carolina <laughs> we have had temperature highs of 40 80 and back to 40. Yes, it's not every, good. Everywhere in between. I mean, literally on uh, on Monday, as I drove through campus in East Carolina, students were in shorts. And uh, today, well, today, the last two days have been just monsoon conditions. Um, yeah, it's, it's about 37 degrees outside right now. So, Any, any sun tannings through campus? Oh, oh, man. Not that you would ever look, because that'd just be creepy. No, no, no. Not that they'd just lay out on the side of a sorority house on the roof those uh those tri sigs <laughs> sigma sigma sexy indeed i think that's the perfect note to end on thank you so much uh for listening to us here on the podcast for producer des that as always was the indomitable Wes bradshaw i am edward green thank you so much for listening you guys we will catch you next week just a couple more live plausible episodes before our our winter international break uh we'll still be bringing you episodes but uh, they might just be a little delayed and not be bringing you as many live premier league results as we can normally but we'll be bringing them to you so check us out next week for episode 31 as is this was episode 30 one more time thank you so much to all our fans who follow us on all our sites we would not do this if it wasn't for you so thank you so much and enjoy turkey day everyone good night Good night, Uganda. Why, why Uganda? Why not Uganda? Idi Amin, great man. Oh, oh, that's that's true. Good I wonder night. where is Obafemi Martins from? Um, uh, Jamaica.